0: Good morning, everyone. So great to see all of you today. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Really glad to have all of you with us today. Uh, this year, obviously, has left many of us feeling uh, pretty helpless against some of the massive things that are going on, the bigger forces that are at work in this world. I mean, obviously, the virus has humbled us. We've become all too familiar with the daily numbers, and then someone we know catches it, or... This week, for example, a member of our church lost her father to COVID, and it becomes more real to us, and we wish we could do something to find a cure. But what can you and I do this week to find a cure to this virus? Really not much. And of course, we've felt helpless about how to think about maybe even respond to the demands for justice that have reverberated um, this year. I mean, how, what can you and I do personally to solve a problem as big as racism? And then we hear of the economic toll, of course, uh, that this year is represented by the virus. Millions of jobs lost, trillions of dollars gone. And there's this strong sense that we have that, you know, whatever we do, I mean, there's some stuff we can do, but whatever we do isn't really going to make much of a difference in the face of problems that are this big. Now, whenever we feel helpless, we tend to respond in one of two ways, either apathy or anger. Those are kind of the two common tracks we run on. If we feel helpless, I mean, it's hard to care about something that you really can't do anything about for very long. And so we get apathetic eventually about the problems of this world. And we turn a deaf ear to the people who are suffering because of these problems. But apathy, of course, feels pretty weak. And that's why many respond to the feeling of helplessness on the other side, and that is with anger. Now, to be honest, anger doesn't do anything more than apathy does. It just feels more powerful to be upset and to be mad about something. And so my guess is, for all of us this year, maybe our apathy about some things have grown this year. Or maybe our anger has deepened. Or most likely, probably a combination of both. But anger and apathy are never good next moves. We're talking about the next move for us as a church and for us as individuals. Apathy and anger are never a good next move. They only make things worse. So back to the original question then, what can we do as individuals? Well, if you've been with us for a few weeks, you know that I'm suggesting that we give money to build a kids' building, $2.5 million to be exact. Well, isn't that just a little tone deaf in the middle of all that's going on in this world? I mean, how is a kids' building to make any difference in a world with so many massive problems. I mean, wouldn't it be better to raise $2.5 million over three years to advance the cause of justice or to feed the hungry? I mean, these are great and noble causes that all require money. So how is giving money to a church, particularly this kind of project, how is that a good move or the best move that we could make at this time? I mean, it actually does look like it would be better or best to give to one of these important causes. The disciples of Jesus made this exact point when they saw a woman give a financial gift that they thought was the absolute worst thing she could have done with that money, not the best thing. Her story is found in Matthew 26, 6 through 9 is the beginning of it, so let me read it. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany... In the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price in the money given to the poor. Now, you have to admit, the disciples have a pretty good point here. I mean, Mark's account, the Gospel of Mark's account of this story, it says that the, the jar that the woman was in possession of could have been sold for a year's wage. So let's just call it $50,000. Let's just say she had a $50,000 jar of perfume, kind of an average annual wage. And she pours $50,000 worth of perfume on Jesus' head, and what happens to that perfume? Same thing that happens to all perfume. It evaporates and all that's left is a really good smelling Jesus for $50,000. I mean, any rational person would agree using $50,000 to feed the poor would have been a much better move. And it would have done much more good than just pouring $50,000 worth of perfume out on Jesus' head. But that is not how Jesus sees this. Jesus actually says this was the best move that she could have made with her money. Why? Why? Well, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 26, the next verses, 10 through 13. Aware of this, Jesus says to them, Why are you bothering this woman? Speaking to the disciples. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, What she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, Jesus is not saying the poor is always going to be here, so don't give to the poor. No, the Bible is very, very clear, and actually Jesus is clear, that we are to help those in need. That's why as a church we get involved with groups like Bracken's Kitchen to help provide food for those in need. In fact, this Christmas we're going to have an opportunity to be a part of doing that. So Jesus is not saying, forget about the poor. Don't don't help the poor. Don't get involved in needs like that. No, what Jesus is saying is that there is an opportunity in this moment to give to something bigger and deeper than just human need. This woman saw this unique opportunity, and she gave to that. So Jesus is really saying two things in his response to this extravagant gift. The first thing he's saying is it is best to give to the cure. It's best to give to the cure, not just the need, to give to the cure. Now, the need that is being referred to here, of course, is hunger. I mean, it is good and important to give to a real need like hunger. But the challenge with hunger, like any human need on the surface, is it is a recurring need. You can fill a stomach one day, and the next day it needs to be filled again, and then every day after that. The deeper need behind hunger is poverty. So it would be better, of course, everyone would agree to spend your money on getting people out of poverty so they can feed themselves. In doing so, you've cured the problem that causes the need of hunger. But Jesus says poverty isn't even the deepest problem. That's what he means when he says, the poor you're always going to have with you. What he's saying is, There will never be a solution at any place, at any time in this world, to solve poverty. It's a problem you can't solve. Why? Because of the human heart. Inside the human heart, there are things like greed and and fear in all of our hearts. So, for example, in fear, that's why we tend to be most concerned about preparing for our future and feeding ourselves because we don't know about the future and we're afraid. And in greed, we are always going to be more concerned about getting than we are about giving. Our first impulse is going to be getting, not giving. And the result then will always be the haves and the have-nots, or the have-mores and the have-lesses. Now, fear and greed is not something that we teach our children growing up. It just bubbles up naturally inside their hearts and in all of our hearts. If you want to see this in action, just put a bunch of toys or a bunch of food in the middle of a group of two-year-olds and watch what happens. They do not carefully divide it equally. That never happens. They grab as much as they can and they fight for more. Why? These sweet little two-year-olds, why? It's because sin has tainted them just as it's tainted us. Sin is the result of our separation from God, the break in our relationship with God. And sin, that, that break causing sin, that's why we're fearful. That's why we're greedy. I mean, at a distance from God, we have a real reason to be afraid. And we have a reason that makes sense to us to get as much as we can for ourselves. And without God, it's easy to lose hope in this ongoing struggle of the limited resources and the massive need. And so a lot of people, for some good reasons and for some bad reasons, they just lose hope. They give up. They stop putting in the work. Some because of laziness, some because of depression, other kinds of things. But they just get tired of the fight. And that adds to even deeper poverty. So behind hunger is poverty. Behind poverty is sin. Behind sin is the break in our relationship with God. So if you want to get at hunger, you need to get at the root cause, which is sin and our break with God. But how do you treat sin? You apply Jesus to a life. This is what this woman was saying. She saw Jesus as the only answer to the deep problem. This is why the woman did what she did. She recognized who Jesus was, recognized that he was the only one who could forgive sin, and reconnect us back to God and begin to treat our sin, our fear, our greed, our laziness, all the things that cause the problems in this world. And that's why she gave. You see, the problems of this world, like poverty and injustice and racism and on and on, they are unsolvable by the solutions of this world. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do better. We just need to understand, this is what Jesus is saying, is you will not solve this problem. The problem is deeper than what you have the power to solve. That's because human solutions are always tainted by human sin. So you can, for example, print end racism on your jersey, but you can't, in fact, end racism until you come up with an answer for the arrogant human heart that likes to look down on others who are different. That is the human condition. And you and I don't have the power to reach inside a heart and change that arrogance that rises and bubbles up naturally in every human heart. This is why there are not enough nonprofits and money in this world to solve the problems of this world. Again, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't give to these kinds of needs because they are real needs and there's real suffering But we need to realize that they are band-aid solutions to a cancer problem. The cancer is our separation from God that metastasizes into sin in the human heart. The only solution to that cancer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being that woman that day? I mean, only a handful of people were on scene for that, not just once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but that once-in-all-of-history opportunity to give this gift to Jesus. I mean, she was one of only a few people who would walk the earth at that place and in that time and even had the chance to personally give Jesus a gift. But this was not the only chance in all of history to give Jesus something unique. And that's because the body of Christ still walks this earth. Not in the form he did 2,000 years ago. That form allowed this woman to anoint his head with perfume. But he walks this earth now in a different form. Jesus told his followers after after he left that they together would be his church. That was the word he chose. And he called the church his body, the body of Christ. What he is saying is that I'm leaving. In this form, I'm gone. But with the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send, I'm going to gift a bunch of you who follow me, and together you're going to form these gatherings called church. And you are going to do my work on earth. You are going to be my body present all over this earth and throughout time until I come back to wrap-up time. So the church, which is the body of Christ on earth, is the only source, it's the only dispenser of the cure for what is really wrong with this world. As you see the problems of this world, you need to stand up and say, I'm a part of a solution, the only solution. I know what needs to happen. So when you and I give to a church like this one, we are giving a very strategic gift, Now, this woman gave something really unique to Jesus that no one had given to him before and no one's been able to give to him since. Because that was a unique window of opportunity. There was Jesus. She looked in her hands and tried to figure out what she had of value. And I don't know how she got it, but she had a $50,000 jar of perfume. And she said, well, I've got to give this. It was a unique window of opportunity. But she was the first, not the last, to have the chance to give a unique gift to Jesus. Every generation of Christians are presented with a few opportunities to give something that only they can give in their own time, in their own place. If not a jar of perfume. That doesn't make sense anymore. For example, 17 years ago, there was about 200 families and individuals that gave the money that allowed us to buy this land. If you weren't here, you may not know their names. And you didn't get the chance to give to that historic event, but you're here now. Now, in this unique time, you are among a small handful of people in all of history who will ever have the chance to give to this particular opportunity. Most people don't even know about this. I wish I'd been alive when that woman was. Often I read the Gospels and I think, wouldn't it it just be amazing to be alive 2,000 years ago, to listen to Jesus teach and to see him do miracles? I wish I was alive when that woman was so that I could have the opportunity to give to Jesus something like what she did. But I, I wasn't, and you aren't. And she's not alive now. She can't give to this. She doesn't have this extraordinary chance to give to Jesus in the way that we do right now. We get to advance the one cure that this world needs. The second thing that Jesus is saying in his response to his disciples is, it is best to give to what endures, to what really lasts. So this is what Jesus said in response to her gift. I tell you the truth, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, it sounds like Jesus is talking, like what he's going to do is going to end up going all the way around the world because he says this story is going to be told all the way around the world. And it sounds like it's going to last a really, really long time what Jesus is starting. Because he's saying this is going to be told in memory of her. So sometime long after her death, that story is still going to be told. Now, we read a sentence like that, and it makes complete sense to us at a distance from 2,000 years of history because what Jesus is talking about is exactly what happened. The gospel has gone all the way around the world. I mean, it's been going on for 2,000 years now since Jesus. But you have to understand, at that time, no one would have predicted that Jesus would end up becoming the single most influential person in the history of the world, and that we would mark the years of our calendars as occurring either before or after his birth. No one could even have imagined that. So what Jesus was referring to is, out of all that she could have done with that jar of perfume, she gave it to something that was going to last for thousands of years. Go all the way around the world. I mean, can you name an organization that this woman could have given that jar of perfume to who would have used it to feed the poor back then? No. I don't know of a name. And the reason is because they're long gone. And in their place are the current day groups that are doing that good work now. The work they do for justice, for example, and the poor of this world are good and need to be supported. Please don't hear me saying those are unimportant. But they are not a permanent solution, which is why those organizations come and those organizations go. But the church is the only lasting hope that this world has. Now, individual churches like this one come and go. The chance to buy land and build facilities tends to allow them to last a little longer, but they come and go but we are part of the bigger work of what God is doing in this world, and that does not come and go. We are part of the church that bears the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world. The word gospel that Jesus spoke of means good news. This woman understood what Jesus represented. That's why she gave this gift. He is the good news that this world has always been searching for and is really searching for this year. He is the answer to the problems of this world, not just another temporary Band-Aid or some big idea about, hey, what if we do this and make sure everybody has the same amount of money? Those failed ideas have caused more harm than good. They've led to more pain and more death. So it's not just another big failed idea. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So now, 2,000 years later, just as Jesus said, we're talking about what this woman did. Her story is an invitation to us. This isn't just a story to say, well, good for her. No, this story is a challenge for us to do the same thing with whatever valuable items God has placed in our hands. As I said, 17 years ago, this was a unique, once in a lifetime opportunity to give the money needed to purchase this land and to build these buildings and to hopefully extend the gospel from this location out into our community for generations to come. You know, those of us who gave to that back then had no idea that those gifts would mean that we would be able to meet during a global pandemic like this when many churches can't. I know it's not as comfortable as inside and we hope to get inside soon. I know the sun is baking you right now as it's baking me. But man, I sure prefer this to talking to a camera and I hope you sure prefer this to sitting at home in your PJs watching the TV. Yeah. But the reason we can do this is because so many people gave money back then. They had no idea that, you know what, there's a global pandemic coming in 2020 and we better get some land. So we got a place. And let's get a land really close to where helicopters land over there all the time. Well, that's not the one, but… So now we get to build a kids' building, and I'm pretty sure this will be the last time in my life that I'll be able to give money to build a place in which the next generation can learn about Jesus and be trained to extend the gospel long after I'm dead and gone. So my understanding is, this isn't just a good move. This is the best move of all, especially this year. So next week, many of you will be adding your name and your gift to the long line of people who have followed in this woman's footsteps. Out of your love for Jesus Christ, many of you, like her, will give extravagantly to him. And I'm sure that it probably wasn't long ago that you had other plans For the money that you'll be giving. Much like I imagine this woman probably had other plans for that expensive jar of perfume. But then the chance to do something extravagant for Jesus surfaced. And like her, you've decided you just need to give to it. And you have to understand, that gift, no matter how large it is, is no small thing in the eyes of God. It's the best move you could make. So next Sunday is Commitment Sunday for this next move that God is leading us to take as a church. And on your seats, you probably noticed there's an envelope with a commitment card on there. So we wanted to give you this in advance for a week so you kind of know exactly how we're going to ask you to let us know what God's leading you to do. So go ahead and, if you will, take out that card. I just want to just walk through it briefly. So the envelope looks like this. Inside the card Two sides. I'm going to look at the back side, which has got the name and address. So it should be pretty obvious what to do, but let me just walk through it. Fill out the left side of that card with your contact information. And on the right, let us know if you are giving an initial gift by the end of this year and then your commitment to give to this over the next three years, whatever that is. And then in the box on the bottom... As it says, put down your total. Add those two numbers, put down your total. We're going to, we have a pretty fun way planned next week of being able to give these personally, but this is kind of heads up so you can take the time this week to think and pray about this. Now, if you'd prefer to fill out a digital version, uh, you can do that. If you're watching online, you can access that and fill that out. Uh, You just text uh, the words next move, so jam them all together in one word, next move, Two, you know the number, 474747, if you want a digital version uh, to fill out. So finish praying about this this week. We're only taking, it's only about four weeks to do this. It's enough time for us to focus, pray, consider, and then decide. So we've got one week left to wrap up your prayer, your conversation, your thoughts on this, and then fill this card out, bring it with you next week. Now, if you're on your way here and you realize, oh, I left it at home, it's okay, we'll have some more here for you, but it would help if you could maybe have this ready and fill it out in advance. Now, if you are planning to give a one-time gift by the end of the year and you're ready to give that gift next week, that's great, you can put that gift inside the envelope. If not, you want to give it later before the end of the year, that's fine too. Now, all of these gifts, just like our regular offerings, you can give online. You can set up a way to give online, just like you do regular giving. So that's available on our website as well. Now, if you can't be here next weekend, go ahead and fill this card out. Drop it in the mail this week. I don't want you to miss out the opportunity to be a part of this. So let's pray. Father, we come before you in this place and in this time. And as every generation has learned in different ways, we are facing problems bigger than we have solutions for. And it drives us to our knees and it drives us to you. And as this woman recognized, many of us have recognized that Jesus, you are the one hope that this world has. You are the only savior of this world. There is no human solution. There is no amount of money that can solve the problems of this world. And so I pray this week as we individually think and pray and talk about what you want us to do, I pray you'd help us to gain clarity on this, about what you want us to do. And we look forward to next week when we gather together and we can celebrate as a church this great opportunity. We thank you for this privilege, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.